Greetings. That's right. Don't don't freak out. This is indeed an intro for the smoking episode. But unlike our normal nonsense intro bits, this is actually going to be some useful. This is the Mareep Up or Pokemon Go digital hangout announcement. So if you just want to hear about meat smoking, just skip to after the music. But for those of you who are interested in doing our digital hangout for the GoFest, this is where you're going to find the details. So if you guys are new to the show, or if you're longtime fans, hopefully you know that we like to do a get-together every GoFest. We like to do it there in Chicago. We'll usually pick like a local bar, and we'll go hang out, have some drinks the Friday night before GoFest, and really just get a chance to talk and hang out. Unfortunately, that's not going to be able to happen in person this year, but fortunately, hopefully more people will be able to get to participate in this new form that we're going to use. So the details are on Saturday and Sunday night at 7.30 Central Time, so that's going to start at 7.30 Central Time, we're going to be doing a Google Hangout. And this Google Hangout is just going to be NAR, myself, and, and all the, the guest hosts that you know and love are just going to be hanging out, talking, shooting the breeze. There's not going to be any big presentations or anything like that. It's just going to be exactly like the Mareep Up. We're just going to talk and, and joke around and, and laugh and have a good time talking about the game that we love so much. We'll probably have like smaller breakout rooms if people want to have like side conversations if it starts getting really big, and then we'll probably all come back together. So if this is something that you're interested in doing, uh, you can find the link. We'll post it on Saturday. We're going to push it out on our Twitter feed. You can also get it in our Discord feed. And then also, also, it'll be on our website, PokemonGoRadio.com. If you just go to www.PokemonGoRadio.com on Saturday, probably around like 7 o'clock central time we'll post the link there on the website and make sure everything's good to go so hopefully we'll see you guys there we'll be there on saturday and sunday and yeah we'll be talking about go fest having a good time talking about the catches of the day and and all that kind of stuff so hopefully see you there and uh, hope you enjoy this bonus episode oh one quick note though you will be signing in with your because it's a google hangout you will be signing in with uh, your google account so make sure that you have a working google account also, if you, you know, for whatever reason, don't want everybody to see your first and last name, just making sure that's that's not part of that Google account because I think it does display. So just a little caveat and a warning. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Pokemon Go Radio bonus episode. Don't touch that dial. You read the title correctly. This is actually the smoking and grilling episode. We did it, ladies and gentlemen. Smoke him if you got him. The bonus episode exists, and Nar has graciously, because obviously he's the reason this is postponed, agreed to edit this That's show. That's just not going to happen. Okay, well, apparently not. I applaud so, your enthusiasm, but I'm drinking some you. lovely scotch right now and know very little about this topic. This is your passion. I got to talk about woodworking. Thankfully, to the audience, I talked to you out of talking about Civilization VI, the turn-based empire-building strategy game. Uh, what we're going to. Yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to just imagine that's not going to happen for a little while, and instead we thought we'd talk a little bit more universal uh, in the meat and the fire. Yes, of iron and fire and meat and wood. Mm. And like Nar said, this is a, a very big passion of mine. 
I love barbecue, and we're, we're going to talk here in just a second about cooking in general, but obviously, in case anybody's curious, there's there's no Pokemon on this episode, unless we talk about which Pokemon would be best to smoke, in which case we will talk about Definitely that Definitely going to talk about that. You know what? I just want to stop real quick and tell you this really important thing. Did you know that iron kills stars? Oh, is that what? Yeah. So, in the core of a... It, the elements get synthesized into new elements, you know, all the way up the periodic table, but iron is the heaviest thing the nuclear reactor basically inside a star can handle. And once it starts synthesizing iron, it becomes too dense and collapses in on itself to form a black hole. Or Thanks for white that, dwarf. buddy. Yeah. So isn't that neat? Just simple iron. You use it to cook your food and it makes the galaxy explode. <laughs> that is that is good to know. It makes my taste buds explode. Yeah. With flavor. Well, Let's let's talk a little bit just in general. Supernova. How did you get into cooking? Why is it something that you're passionate about? I know on the Discord we we like to share uh, food and recipes and just and just talk about food. Why is it something that ignites your passion? Why is it something you care about as opposed to just being like was that a oh, fire pun? Uh, it was uh, a bowl I of cereal. Slipped them in, but no. no, I will. Yeah, I remember the first time we ever actually cooked anything. I can't remember if we were high. But we were in your apartment, and we were trying to make pork fried rice, having never cooked raw meat in our entire lives before. And it was bad, to say the least. And just like with woodworking, it made me think, okay, there's got to be a right... If we're doing this the wrong way, there's got to be a right way to do it. And so that really began a, I guess, almost decade now, over a decade now, long love affair with cooking. While I don't do smoking, I consider myself... It's been a decade and a half. Oh my God, we're so old. I consider myself a pretty decent cook, right? I cook a wide variety of things uh, and I really enjoy the process of it. You know, I like to learn new things. I like to, I never like to cook the same thing too many times, even though that, that's probably how you get good at it. I really like the variety. I really like cooking because if you're going to do it, you might as well do it well. Speaking of cooking something repeatedly, I just made salsa verde again mm. tonight. <laughs> yeah, I made a enchiladas verde actually for for peppa and i tonight just as a she just got back from florida so it was a little a welcome home i know that's one of her favorites but we're going to talk primarily about grilling and smoking uh nar's going to talk about a recent experience he had with sort of the new method he's kind of come to about searing and reverse searing steaks so we'll talk about that and then the back half of the show we're really going to dig into smoking and when i say smoking I mean offset smoking, burning wood, burning some type of fuel, and just letting a, a low and slow method cook meat. And I don't mean, sorry, my mouth is literally watering talking about it. It'll we'll Get talk about brisket. We'll talk about chicken. We'll talk about pulled pork. We'll go through all the classics. But first, Nar, let's talk about steak and mm. your. Let, let's I guess let's start with what kind of cut do you like? What what are you into right now? What if I say, hey man? We're gonna have we're gonna have steak and scotch night. It's gonna be we're, it's gonna be on point. We're just gonna we're gonna do up some steaks and we're gonna have some scotch. What cut of steak are you going for? So there's only one true king of steaks in my mind. Everyone kind of flaunts with stuff. You can get fancy. You can do lots of different stuff. All steak is good steak. But so to he's me, gonna say he's gonna say you can you can mess with the strip. You can mess with a fillet, mm-hmm. but ultimately you got to go for the ribeye. It's that ribeye. The ribeye. ribeye is what's up to me. It's the, it's it's what when you when you, if you're not familiar with like a different cut of meat, if a ribeye sounds the same to you as everything else, when you imagine what steak tastes like, what you're imagining is ribeye. That's that's the 
the beautiful harmony of fat and beef and just a really, really good flavor coming together in the same place. I love ribeyes. That is my go-to steak cut for sure. We should talk about what makes the, the cuts different. And essentially, they're just coming from different parts of the cow, right? Your strip is going to come from a different part than your filet, which is a cut off the tenderloin. Unless it All comes these... from New York. And then, of course, it's a New York strip. Oh, is that where it comes mm-hmm. from? Yeah. They just they just strip a piece of land out of New York? Probably. That's why it's so small. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like a New York strip. I really do. But you'll notice it's a it's a much leaner cut mm-hmm. of beef. There, there's Which, not as much fat. Some people are into that. You know, if you want, if you're not a, if you don't like to chew the fat, uh, literally, then maybe you would want a filet or maybe you would and want it a It completely depends on your method of preparation too, That's right? That's true. Another so, piece of beef that I really like to cook, we'll talk all about ribeye here in a second, is a skirt steak. I like a chimichurri steak, if you don't know what that is. That's a delicious, it's a skirt steak, which is a super hard, tricky piece of meat to cut. Because if you mess it up, if you cut it wrong, if you cook it at the wrong temperature, it will taste like rubber. Like charcoal. Yeah. Like absolute charcoal. It's bad. But if you can get it right, especially with the chimichurri sauce, it's this like garlic, cilantro, olive oily deliciousness. Oh, Red man. pepper. Mm. It's a so good. good good thing. But let's talk king ribeye. Well, and then we also would be remiss if we... So, Nar and I grew up in Houston, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about flank. And flank is fajita. Mm-hmm. And and the, the marinating of that beef, grilling it, and then just chopping it up and serving it in a tortilla is another very special, very much part of our <laughs> our eat, like our entire childhood growing up. Yeah. So oh, man. When we, we would walk up, and uh, people just... I don't know why, in the neighborhood we used to live in, everyone would just kind of grill in their driveway and you know you'd walk up to somebody and they just have the beef fajitas down and it's like this giant slab of thin skirt steak and it's just oh the smells they take you right back and you could tell when it was good too when they pick it up out of the you know the tray or whatever they've been marinating and it's got the little drip to it Mm -hmm. but not too much because it's really cold and it's cling to the beef and oh so good but let's talk about let's say hey i really i really dig what you guys are going for i want to i want to do me up some ribeyes what do you do? So I actually, I think... Let's go Let's go through it chronologically. Yeah. So there's actually a really good YouTube video by uh, this really, really great YouTube channel. I strongly recommend Binging with Babish. It's a, He's a really funny guy. No nonsense. You know, he kind of gets to the point, but still like puts in the jokes to where it's not annoying. Has a whole series of this stuff, but it specifically has a great how-to on on steaks. The ribeye that he does in the in the tutorial video is massive. Usually the ones you get at the supermarket are cut. They're like, um, I don't know if you call it butterflied or whatever, but they're not that thick. They're usually cut in two into smaller pieces. So the first thing you do is, and this is super duper important with really any kind of meat, do not take it from the fridge and introduce it to the fire. Well, let me back you up just a little bit. Not all ribeyes are created equal. Well, that's true, yeah. And you can go and you can buy the cheapest ribeye you can find and you can you can cook the you can do everything perfect, but that particular cut of meat is gonna have a ceiling. There's there's a reason that if you go to the butcher's case, there are some ribeyes that cost literally twice, maybe even three times as much. It's because they're they're a better overall cut of meat. Mm-hmm. Now, is that That's something that cow. you personally care about? Maybe, maybe not. But if you go and you buy the the value pack at Walmart of ribeyes, don't be shocked if you do everything right and it comes out a little tough. Because 
at the end of the day, quality meat costs money. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at a special occasion, if you're looking at investing, don't just settle for any old cut of meat. Yeah, and it's just like anything else, right? That's a commodity. There's a diminishing rate of return in terms of like how much you need to pay. You know, you could get to outrageous extremes, go get that Wagyu or whatever, and that's probably not necessary. But like Salt said, you don't want to be buying this at the dollar store. Um, the first thing I do when I get the steak and I'm ready to cook it is I get it up to room temperature. You set it out, I think at least 30 minutes is what you want, uh, preferably, preferably a little bit longer than that, just depending on the environment. Um, and while that's hanging out, getting to room temperature, you want to go ahead and just coat that thing in salt and pepper. And you might be thinking like a sprinkle, no, 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 no. A coating of salt and pepper is what you want. This is very important for two things. One, it's going to taste delicious later, but also that salt is going to help seal in the moisture. It's going to absorb and it's going to hold tight and it's going to give you a really good flavor just throughout the meat. So that's the most important thing in terms Man, of like starting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's one of the most common mistakes people make. I think they under season their mm-hmm. steaks. Now, if you're talking, you know, and there's the, oh, I want the, I want the flavor of the meat to shine through. I promise your salt and your pepper are not going to overpower the steak. If you're doing something crazy with some kind of rub, that might be a problem. But if you're using your regular ground pepper and probably a coarser ground salt, I recommend like a nice sea salt. You probably don't need to get like all the way up to kosher salt, but I mean, if that, if that does it for you, by all means. But if you get that nice thick coat, you're going to achieve mm-hmm. everything that NAR just talked about. And then also... If you've ever gone to a restaurant and you get that nice crust, oh, hold on, on we haven't got the crust yet. I got a little trick for the crust. But I'm saying you can't get that without the salt and pepper. Yeah, you can't. It's it's a critical part, and it's going to be really good. I actually did two coats of salt on this last round of ribeye, and that was too much. But even then, it was still good. Like it was not too salty. So like it, to make it too salty, you have to really go at it. That kind of when you talk about rubs, I reject anything other than salt and pepper if that's a personal preference if you have a steak seasoning that you think is really great um you're wrong but you know feel free to to mess up your beef however you want i guess okay so i've got my steak it's at room temperature i noticed you didn't use any binders on it you didn't put any worcestershire you didn't put any olive oil you didn't do anything it was just salt pepper onto the the steak yeah we'll get a little something extra on there in just a minute but then this is where we start the reverse sear so preferably on a wire uh, rimmed baking sheet so if you don't have a wire rimmed baking sheet they're just super handy you can just buy like a little wire rack that'll go fit into your baking sheet like at a grocery store they're they're really cheap you'll find a million uses for it looks them. like a little grid exactly and you throw that on there and that's good because it kind of keeps it from sticking to the pan gets a little heat up under there and well, you also you want the bottom to cook mm-hmm. like the top yeah and if it's setting in the in the juices it's, it's just not going to cook evenly in a convection oven yeah and if you have a good piece of meat and you've seasoned it right you probably you don't want <laughs> for sure at the end of it to see a bunch of juice in that pan right there should just be a few little drops down there but what you do is you set the oven i think about 225 and we're going low and slow on this you put it in there depending on how thick your meat is times will vary but what you're looking to do is yeah fantastic you had to do a couple of them at least you were looking for about a 115 temperature that's what you're looking for if you have a thin ribeye like the normal ones you get at the grocery store that'll probably get you there in about 35 maybe 40 minutes just check on it Um, you need a meat thermometer for all meat prep that's just a good tip and that's something you can cheap out on and it's going to be annoying because you'll have to like take a minute to read it 
you can get a really nice one for like a hundred bucks, but you know, not everybody wants to shell out a hundred bucks on a gadget. That's that's how you that's why it's called reverse sear. We cook the meat actually, and now we're gonna get that crust in the flame. Okay. So I've got my I've got my thing. Uh, a couple tips there is what you don't want to do is be taking the steak out every 15 minutes and checking the temperature, right? You know a, a half-inch cut of ribeye, a three-quarter-inch cut of ribeye is going to... Well, hopefully you have at least three-quarter inch, but that's going to take at least 25 minutes. So don't be checking it before then. There's no way it's going to get up to 115 before that, mm-hmm. right? Unless you just your oven's broke. So don't don't take it out every five minutes and check it. Otherwise, you're never going to get up to temperature. You check it, you're almost there, you put it in for another couple minutes, and you're good to go. Does it need to be 115 exactly? I mean, if you're 114, you're you're, you're probably fine. Oh, you're so, definitely fine. Yeah, I, I've got the I've got the ribeye out. I've got that. Uh, I've got it off the baking sheet. Now, what do I do? So while that's going, right when you're getting towards the end, you want to go ahead and get a cast iron skillet. Cast iron is really what you want here, just because it's a really great way to evenly distribute the heat. It's really going to hold on to that heat. You can get it really, really hot. So go ahead and get that thing steaming hot you want to put maybe like if, a if anybody anybody who's accidentally grabbed the handle of a cast iron real. skillet knows exactly how hot you can get a cast yeah. iron skillet a good way to tell uh, on the temperature is if you put a little bit of olive oil in there just to kind of grease the pan up a little bit you'll start to see white smoke come off it and that's when you know it's probably hot enough and this is what we're trying to do with the reverse sear now it's sear time right the meat is cooked we're not really looking to raise the temperature above like 125, get that medium rare. We are just really looking to establish that crust. You'll notice when you go to like a good steakhouse, it's not like the meat is homogenous all the way through. On the the front, the top and the bottom of the steak, there's this like crispy layer. And that sounds weird, but trust me, this is like what you want on a steak. And there's so much flavor in that part of the meat. It's gonna mm. It's going to make every bite just explode with flavor. Okay. Now, it can be kind of intimidating though cuz you're sitting there and you've got your steak, it already kind of looks pretty. When I'm when I'm doing the sear and I'm going to have to flip it, how do I avoid quote unquote burning it? Mm. What am I what am I actually doing to sear in that moisture? So, one thing I do that helps establish a crust and prevent burning is and this might sound a little bit gross to some people, but just like you're not you're not a real cook until you can go over to your fridge and just get you a jar of bacon fat. <laughs> just, <laughs> just get those good baking drippings. But but Nar, what if I've eaten all my bacon fat? <laughs> no, you eat the bacon, you save the fat. So whenever oh, you're cooking bacon, God, is that what I'm doing? Yeah, I that's throw the problem. So much bacon. Yeah, now. the you stream off the grease of the bacon and you put it in like a nice glass jar, and that's going to be delicious. That's what you want. And it, you know, it's not we're eating steak here, people. It's not supposed to be healthy, but a little bit of bacon fat is not going to kill you. And what you do is you take a little bit of that bacon fat and you rub it on the both sides of that steak and it's going to melt really quick and you're just going to get a nice little layer. That is going to give it such a flavor. It's going to prevent it from sticking to the pan. It's going to really help it crust up. That is my little secret in terms now, of getting a nice crust. If you don't have bacon fat, you also can use butter for mm-hmm. sure. I know Chef Ramsay uses that exclusively oh, we're getting on his ribeyes. And it and it comes out fine. So if you if you don't have bacon fat, if you if you maybe don't want to use lard, you can use a little bit of butter for that step as well. So the reason why we're not going to burn it is because we're very the the steak is going to spend very little time in this skillet, right? So once it's up to temperature, we lay that steak down. We don't touch it. 
because we want it we want it to develop that crust and so that's just a searing contact with that hot pan you're looking to leave it there for probably about a minute minute and a half depending on how hot you get your skillet and then you're going to want to flip it over and when you flip it over you should see this just nice brownish little bit of flecky bits um, the more even that is the better you want that's why you want to make sure you get your steak laying flat so it makes contact everywhere and if you can get like a nice light brown all the way across the steak mm, it's going to be good then at that point you throw in some butter if you want to get fancy you can put a little clove of garlic and some rosemary or thyme or whatever in there and then you do what oh, we i call, love a little time in there yeah a little time and a half you, then we do what was called butter basting, where it's exactly what it sounds like. You take about yeah. two, two, two tablespoons of butter, you tip that skillet up to get that butter to run down in the bottom, and you take a spoon and you just kind of ladle it over that steak for just a few minutes, maybe you know another two minutes on that side, and then you pull it off. And the most important thing with any steak is you got to let it sit. This is not a fully grilled steak, so you don't have to let it sit for a long, long time. He's knocking at my window. Who's that? Is it a bird? Are you taken? Sorry, is the neighbor down the street showing me the dog? Oh, I love a dog. Sparty, I love that dog. It's a little terrier. Uh, um, but what was I saying? Uh, oh yeah, butter basting. Give it a little, give it a little tinfoil teepee, and just let that thing hang out for about five minutes, and then it is bon appetit. Oh, and then hey, I know that we're talking, we're talking, we're talking the meats, but what is your favorite side with the steak? Baked what potato. It's not a question. Baked potato? Yeah, it's and not even a pour question. The, you pour the steak juice on it? Oh, yeah. The oh, trick to yeah. a good baked potato I have found is you got to really, you want to mash it up, right? You don't want yeah. this like valley of deliciousness and then dry potato. No. Get in there and I, mix that whole thing up. I While the steak is resting, I take my potato and just, I, my whole plate is dedicated to prepping the potato. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening right now. And then then you just pour the what steak juice on What do you put on that potato? I like. Uh, so I know some people like a little sour cream. I prefer Greek yogurt. Same, honestly, yeah. it's healthier. I'll do a little, and you can't tell the difference. And, and well, it, that and it, I don't know. Like the, I don't like the tartness of sour cream. It's kind of creamier. I just, I, yeah, the yogurt's a little. I like creamy. the creaminess yeah. of the yogurt. Little little uh, regular Greek yogurt. Little cheese. Little salt. Little pepper. And then butter. Maybe I, I, don't forget I, yeah, the butter. butter. Oh, butter for sure. And I actually I really like chives Same. on it too. But uh, yeah, just ugh, baked potatoes. And so then good. whatever whatever has been dripped off that steak, like you said, just that's mm. what while the steak is resting, mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna put off some juices, and that's what the little tinfoil teepee is oh, for. Well, just a little remember that butter basting we were talking about? That's gonna be some caramelized uh, yeah. butter down there. You want to get that into a bowl? I'm help gonna yourself need that. To that. <laughs> that's not going to the it's jar, coming. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's coming with me. Anyway, that's my reverse seared steak thing. Uh, really love doing it. You know, special occasions. I don't try to do a steak every week i don't even do a steak once a month but when i do i like it and it's uh it's been delicious i did one on monday this week and it turned out really well yeah we will actually can we link the uh oh we should the yeah. babbage video definitely me? yeah absolutely oh man I he's am... got seven million followers but this should really take him over that yeah. next edge he'll he'll thank us yeah for sure my mouth is watering now <laughs> i want a ribeye i do want a ribeye now i had one for lunch i made a little sandwich out of one it's tasty. Steak Sammy. I love a steak, steak Sammy. Oh, so good. You want right. to talk about smoking? Let's take us. Let's take us to smoking church. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is the gospel. I the the way Nar feels about woodworking is the way that I feel about smoking, and I I I didn't know that for sure. It's not just I'm not relating that because it is a passion that I have. 
I realized that after one of the cooks I was doing and I realized that I, I wasn't even really concerned about eating the food that I was cooking. That, that wasn't my concern. It it wasn't because I was hungry or wanted to eat it. I, can f- I was hear doing like a f- gospel choir in the background for the process. Like an of organ doing is it. just getting started. Mm-hmm. That is what I want to do. Nard isn't mm-hmm. woodwork because he wants a he wants an end table. God he does no. it because he wants to build an end table and maybe lose a not, finger someday. I don't smoke brisket or I don't smoke pulled pork because I I want that food. I do it because I love that process and I absolutely have fallen in love with with smoking and the the art of offset cooking but let's go through and let's let me talk real quick about barbecue and and in general like kind of what that means to to nar and i culturally so nar and i grew up in texas Texas. and if you're not from a region that is proud of its barbecue you might not even know there is a difference but like when somebody says barbecue they mean different things so when a Texan says barbecue, what they're really talking about is smoked brisket. Mm. That's specifically what they're talking about. Now, obviously, Texans enjoy other kinds of smoked meats. We that's love a, a sausage. That's a for sure thing. We love a turkey. Love a sausage. Love a turkey. Love a love a, love pulled pork. Yeah. But in Texas, brisket is king. Sliced brisket is the hallmark of Texas barbecue. But before we go through and we talk about the the specific discipline that i that i practice of barbecue do you have any other barbecue or smoking that you want to like just give a give a shout out to and talk through no i mean that's the barbecue that we grew up with but obviously like korean barbecue is a big deal lots of people do offset cooking it's it's a it's just a great way to flavor up that meat and it's really cool uh to get into it it's just it's they're, they're a weird breed i've noticed the people that get into smoking like you're all in it's a whole culture there's like competitions it's a serious thing because comps don't don't call it that that's ridiculous are you gonna enter one is that your goal do you want to be a competitive smoker no i actually i really like i i watch i've watched so many youtube videos on the subject but there was a guy who was doing a preview of his particular offset smoker mods and he's like he's got a smoker there and it's a very low budget youtube video he's like yeah i've won a lot of a lot of competitions with this with this here smoker, uh, it was in my backyard, and I was the only judge, but I thought I did a pretty good job. <laughs> That's a good video. No, man, I, I, I smoke for the love of it. I don't smoke the love to, of the game. To, to hear somebody else be like, oh, your pool test. I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah. I'm, seems kind of ridiculous to me. I mean, at a certain point, I'm just like in flavor country. You know, I can't even tell the difference. But it's it's a really cool thing. I'm excited about it. What Let's... um. I know one thing I want to learn is well, how does someone get into doing this? Like, what do you recommend for that? Do you want to start there or do you want to go somewhere else? What are you thinking? No, I mean, first of all, I think you got to love, you got to love the flavor and it doesn't matter at the end of the day, what smoker you choose when I, when I talk about the different types of smoker, if you don't like the smell or the, 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 the action, the commitment, and most importantly, the taste of it, you, this probably isn't for you. Right? I think if maybe you, that's if, like why it's so, such a weird following is because this is a a intensive process right from start to finish this is not just like slapping some burgers on the grill this takes a mm-hmm. while and so maybe it just weeds gonna, away you're the gonna uncommitted. be tired yeah <laughs> you're gonna you're this is sleepless nights this is this is this is a a lot of work but you, you gotta love 
the type of barbecue that you're going to set out to make the type of the smoked meat that you want to make. And if, if there's something that you're like, you're, you're just good old, you're, you're just a, a, a good old boy or girl from South Carolina and you just love South Carolina pulled pork and you want to learn how to make that, then there's always time to branch out and learn the other types. But if that's what you can want to do and want to set out, it's important that you like that. Or you could but, be from North Carolina and just pee on your pork. I believe that's... I like North Carolina barbecue. That's what they do. It's fine. No, it I'm pretty good. sure it I tastes like, like it. piss. <laughs> I like it. It's all vinegary. Okay. So, no. To, first of all, and this is important, if you boil ribs... That means the Taliban has won. Okay, don't do it. Uh, it's the worst. Shame on bake you. Bake them or just throw them away. Smoking meat takes a smoker. Period. Dot. Right. You, braising something in the oven and pouring liquid smoke on it does not mean you smoked something. I don't care. That is that is atrocious. What you just suggested, hypothetical person, that exists in my head. So, you just won that shower argument. I can tell you that. Thank you. The shampoo bottles are clapping. Yeah. The the important thing is that you need a smoker. So I guess the the next thing to do is to break down the types of smokers. So smokers are primarily divided by the fuel source and the shape. So for your fuel source, you're looking at, at the most traditional level. You're talking about your twig burner, right? You're, you put wood into the smoker and the smoker burns the wood. And that is where the heat comes from. Next, you have an electric smoker. And your electric smoker uses a heat coil to heat up the heating element, and that is where the heat comes from. Now, with the other types of smokers I'm going to talk about, there's still a wood element that you put into it. So, with your electric smoker or your propane smoker, you're primarily going to be using a little tray with wood chips in it, and those wood chips burn, and that's where you get the wood flavor from. But your heat doesn't come from the burning of those chips. Your heat comes from the propane or the electric coil that is actually happening in there. And then finally, you also have your pellet smoker. Your pellet smoker is essentially like an electric smoker. It has an electric coil that heats up and it burns. I think there actually are propane pellet smokers as well. But you can set them to a specific temperature and you pour in compressed wood composite. Uh, I want to stop there. I'm pretty sure it's squirrel. You put squirrel into it? No, I'm pretty sure those pellets are actually made out of squirrel. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like what kind of squirrel? Just your everyday garden variety squirrel. Is it moose and squirrel? Moose, <laughs> moose and squirrel. Yeah, moose and squirrel. That's why they smell like that. And they, uh, you, you burn those, and that's what gets the wood flavor on there. The, the pluses flavor. and minuses are the electric, propane, and pellet smokers. Generally speaking, a lot less labor intensive. You, you just well, set your dial to it. Depending on how many squirrels you have in your local area. <laughs> That's true. You do have to go find all the squirrels. Are you going to get a net? Come on, man. If, if you want to smoke it, weekend. If you want to smoke at 250, you put the dial to 250 and it just goes. Done. The, the twig burner, that is where the labor comes into. To make a fire that maintains a steady temperature or a range of temperatures, you're not going to be sleeping very much. I don't even know how you begin to do that, right? Like it's a fire and you're trying... Like So when you talk about, let's just say brisket, how specific do you need to be with that temperature? Oh, it depends on how tired I am. But the... <laughs> What's optimal? No, like what are you really shooting for? How tight so of a range? It, it depends on the... I guess the most important thing is consistency, right? And we'll talk about this when I, oh, when I go through my brisket cook here in a little bit. But... You want, you want to have the plan and stick to the plan. It's no surprise 
the higher temperature you cook at, the faster the meat is going to get done. But depending on the type of meat, it might dry it out, might not be as tender, might not get as much smoke flavor, and there's some trade-offs there. So everything is a, is a trade-off as you control the different factors of heat and material and time. So you just have to have a plan and know what you're doing. At the end of the day, though, the most efficient way to do it is consistency. You don't want to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook this brisket low and slow at, let's just say, 225. That'd be really low and slow for a brisket. And, you know, you, 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 let, you, you get it up to 225, and then you let it peter down to 150. And then you bring it back up to 225, and then you let it... You're, you're never going to get it cooked like that. It's mm-hmm. going to take forever. So whatever temperature you want to cook at, you need to, you need to stay consistent in that range and not just let the coals burn down every time and, and try to how do you tell the temperature you look at like a thermometer on top of that thing i'll talk about that when i talk about cooking accessories but i, I want to go through the so, the Can shape you talk about of propane accessories too. also i'll talk about propane and propane accessories god bless america the other type of factor that goes into a smoker is the shape of the smoker and you can see different types of smokers you can see like your barrel smoker it that's the one that looks like uh, i was gonna say that's the one that looks like r2d2 it does. It looks like yeah. R2D2. It's a big barrel Do they smoker. have some painted like that that I could purchase? Oh, my God. I hope so. I want that. I do want that. You also have your vertical stack smoker. Those, those are the ones that look like filing cabinets. Uh, most of your propane and But instead of finding smokers, a tax audit, you'll find delicious meat. Yeah. Delicious. Actually, it's making my mouth water again. You'll, you'll notice that a lot of electric... I think you might have a glandular problem. Like that. I do when I'm talking about smoking. And... Yeah, those are are like filing cabinets. They're really nice. They're kind of easy to store. And if you only have like a little patio, those kind of work out really well. I have a vertical stack smoker, a propane smoker. That was my first one. It's great. It's a little bit difficult for some of your larger cooks. I can do pork butt in it. I can do do most racks of ribs in it, but I probably can't fit a full brisket in there. And then finally, you have the offset smoker. And that is your most traditional type of smoker. I also have an offset smoker. That is where you have a firebox or fire chamber. And then you have a cook chamber, which kind of looks like a big barrel laid on its side. And then you have a smokestack. So essentially what you're trying to do is you burn the fire down low in that heat source. It pulls the smoke and the heat across that cook chamber Mm. and then up out that smokestack on the other side. And that is how you cook your meat low and slow over time. Can I give you a pro tip? Yeah. Take some googly eyes, put them on that smokestack. Now you got a friend with you up all night checking that temperature. Checking the temperature for yeah. me. Like, uh, <laughs> I have a friend who's... Uh, oh, wait. I think is, that it's a... Did I, is that an AT&T commercial? I don't care. I think it's a good idea anyway. No, yeah, that is, uh, that is an AT&T commercial. It's still a good the, idea. I have a friend whose last name is Pitts. And he just promoted to major. So I, I've named my offset smoker Major Pitts. Now you got to do it. Thank you. What are you going to do at that point, you know? It's basically entrapment. It's yeah. smoker entrapment. Okay. I thought I would... So I've smoked a lot of different stuff in my offset smoker. I've smoked ribs. I've smoked a bunch of chickens. I've done pulled pork. But I thought I would walk through my first brisket smoke. Mm. I want to hear about it. Okay. How do you smoke a brisket? All right. So feel, jump in here with questions, but just like with a ribeye, just like with steak, it starts with the actual meat. Well, how much and does a brisket cost? It depends, right? And it depends on the size of the brisket. For the brisket that you're thinking about in your in your mind right now, Nar, that that brisket is anywhere between probably ten and twenty pounds. That's and insanely large for a squirrel brisket. It's, it's a lot. 
It's a lot of meat. Uh, you can definitely buy parts of the briskets. You can buy the flat or you can buy the point, and those will be cheaper. Obviously, they're a lot less weight, sort of like half, quote-unquote, briskets, and those will be cheaper. But if you're buying a full brisket, yeah, you're looking at about 60 to $70, depending on where you live. But how many people could that feed? Oh, like a ton. You know, but I mean, I mean, 10, how 15, mi- 20? Well, I mean, let's see here. Let's say you're going if to a barbecue and you're like, I'm bringing the brisket. And they said, hey, Salt, there's going to be 40 people. And you're going to be like, I'm bringing a brisket. No problem. I would bring 40 people. I'd bring a 15-pound brisket and that'd be no problem. Oh, wow. Dang. I mean, think about it. 40 people. I mean, are they all going to eat a pound of meat? Yeah, that's true. So, you like, know? a half pound of brisket's a good old bit of brisket. So, that'll yeah, go pretty exactly. far. Precisely. So, you know, it, it depends. Some people are going to eat more than that. Some people are going to eat a lot less than that. So... You just have to think about it by the poundage. Also understanding that you're going to trim the brisket, which I'll talk about here in a second. And just like with anything, when you cook it, it gets less. So that that 15-pound brisket, when I cook it, might come out about closer to 13 pounds. So you're, you're going to, meh, maybe a little Sweat. bit over. But you're going you're gonna to lose quite a bit after you trim it and after you cook it. So the what you're looking for when you get a brisket is there's a flat which is the the smaller part, and then there's a point, which is like the big hump of the brisket. Mm. What you're what you're looking for is not a big difference in height on that, because you want it all to cook, generally speaking, at the same rate. So a big, huge point and a tiny flat means that the flat is going to be done, but the point is still going to be not done. So you don't want that. You're also looking for a nice mixture of fat, and this is one of those things that's just a lot easier to YouTube and look at visually. My YouTube video that I recommend is if you guys have seen Barbecue with Franklin, it's on YouTube. It, Central Texas, uh, Austinite Barbecue, just an absolute like legend of barbecue. Oh, yeah. Chefs from all over the world come to study with him to figure out how to barbecue. Just an absolute master of the game. He actually has a master's class for for smoking, but he's got a full YouTube channel. It's it's old now. People they haven't updated in forever, but luckily smoking brisket has changed in forever. So I, I definitely recommend that. Additionally, also, as I'm mentioning, like barbecue seances or barbecue, what, is, what am I looking for? Um, senseis. Barbecue oh, no, senseis. I like the idea of a barbecue seance. A barbecue seance. There's just like a very irritated just, cow in the corner. Barbecue sauce flying everywhere. The cow's like, this is very rude. This is, why did you contact me? Yeah. You were delicious. I think you got enough, man. Uh, I not Jack you all? in in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, is the best barbecue on earth. Yeah. Just Mad Jack's Mountaintop Barbecue. It is the best brisket on earth. But I digress. You're looking for a good cut of meat. And honestly, I think your local butcher shop is really going to help you out here. You can you can get one at the store, but it's kind of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another, whether or not you're going to get a really good cut overall. So I would definitely be conscious of that. Yeah, and that butcher is going to know what you're looking for, right? So, like, if you go in there, they're going to, they're good people, the butchers, you know? They, they're they in it for the love of the game. They're like their own little artisans. I found that anytime I go f- talk to a butcher, they're just ready to geek out, tell you exactly what you need, hook you up. Like, that's, that's what you want to find, if at all possible. So, now that you've got your brisket, just like a steak, you want to get it up maker. to, you want to get it to, to room or a baker? Room temperature. Okay, I'm writing that down. Hold on. Room. Room. Are you pretending to type right now? I'm writing it on my hand. I'm pretending to write it on my hand. Okay, you're pretending to write something on your hand off camera. Which room? 
Uh, the one from Community. Okay, that makes sense. The so you want to get it up to room temperature, and that's for a piece of meat that is, you know, fifteen pounds. It's going to take considerably longer than a, an individual steak. I would recommend setting it out no less than an hour before you want to cook. Maybe longer than that, depending. Uh, I I like to go up to like an hour and a half, maybe even two hours to try to get that thing up to room temperature. And you'll notice it'll probably still be pretty cold. So I definitely recommend getting it out well before you're trying to put it on the the smoker because that that chill that's going to set into the meat is going to decrease your overall or it's going to increase your overall cook time and could potentially make the meat cook unevenly but when you get the when you get the brisket out while it's still cold you want to trim it up and what you're really looking to do is get the optimal ratio of fat and good fat on that brisket in the right places so it's going to come out and it's probably going to have too much fat on it and at that point it's your job to look at the meat square it up and get like a nice like quarter to a half inch layer of fat in the places that you need it there's also is there something you can do with the fat like it does seem like you cut a lot of that off it depends on the fat right so the the fat that you take off of the flat the flat fat that is stuff you can use you can you can render that you can you can cook with it you can even make sausage with it but then there's other big hard chunks of fat that come off of a specific part of uh the brisket called the deckle and that is, is, it's just hard, tough, callous fat that it's it's not good for anything. So you just, you're going to throw that away. Different people trim their briskets differently. I like to get a nice, even brisket all the way across. I like to, to trim the point down even, where I know even some people, I think up in Kansas City, get their burnt ends off of. It's not something I'm looking at doing. I don't, I don't like to measure through that. So I just, I, I trim that bit off. And really what I'm looking at is, not quite, but pretty close to a, a big rectangle of meat that kind of slopes mm. down. Now, when you talk about tenderizing, I know some people like to use a squash racket. Some people like to use maybe a parent with way too high expectations. Where do you come down on the tenderizing method? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> I just wanted to say something stupid. I've just settled into a pattern. I let you talk for about a minute and 45 seconds, then I just say something insane. Okay, good. Well, really wishing I could eat some barbecue right now. Uh, just like Noir, I don't use any uh, any binding on the the brisket. It's just it's all natural. It is. And what kind of bindings right, do people use? That mustard. Huh. And yeah. is that just to keep the salt and pepper on there? Like, what's yeah, the purpose? The, yeah, that's what they're they're looking at doing. I I don't do that. I don't actually season my brisket as much as some people. But it's still probably a lot. Like if people are thinking about, oh man, that's a lot. I don't season my brisket, for example, as much as I season like my pork shoulder. But this is, and it's funny too, because both Franklin and Mad Jack, I've seen both of their videos on their seasoning and they made the same joke. Like, all right, I'm going to give away my brisket seasoning right now. Are you ready? Half salt, half pepper. Oh, dang. Yeah. But it's it's a, not definitely not your regular kosher, like your, your Morton's blue jar of salt and your your McCormick's red, white salt thing. What you're looking for is coarse, big pieces of salt and pepper. So you're looking for a kosher salt and you're looking for coarse ground black pepper. That is extremely important. Why is that? Well, number one, your your powdery, low granular stuff, it's going to clump up. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go through the cook, and it's also gonna wash off as the meat sweats and and the fat renders down. That 
big, thick, granular seasoning is how you're going to get that crust on this huge piece of meat as well. Okay. So uh, it depends on where you're from. Uh, Franklin likes to go 50-50. Mad Jack likes to go a little bit more. He likes to go 60-40, so a little bit more black pepper than salt. But either way, you're looking at a nice mixture of that. Now, depending on where you're from, people might get a little bit crazier with their brisket rubs. You might see things like chili powder and paprika and all that kind of stuff. Not really my fort. Not something I'm really interested in doing. I might add a little large granular garlic, little SPG in there, a little garlic powder. SPG? Yeah, salt, pepper, garlic. Okay. That's what they say in the comps. The Holy but Trinity. The, uh, the Holy Trinity. Um, but not really at the end of the day. Not something I'm really interested in doing. I just I like the salt and the pepper. And you get that all around the brisket. You get it on the sides. You get it everywhere. And that's how you're going to get that nice, thick crust. Hmm. God, I want a brisket so bad. Me right too. Now. Man. Okay, so you've done all this work. We haven't even started cooking it yet. What happens no. now? Okay. And I I mean, I guess we probably should talk timing. It depends on how big your brisket is. The general rule of thumb is it's about an hour and 15 minutes per pound until your brisket is ready. But man, is that a wag. Like that is an absolute wag. In general, if if you want to be eaten at 5 p.m., you probably need to put your brisket on at about 5 a.m. And, yeah, no, and if you wanted to, and, you know, if, if that's that's when you're taking your brisket off, if you probably should rest for at least an hour. So, really, you want to probably put your brisket on at 4 a.m. So, you really want to start the steps that I'm talking about in a second at about 3 a.m. Nah, fam. So, when I'm cooking a brisket, I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm-mm. So I, I, I'll wake up actually twice. I'll wake up around 2, 1 a.m. to take the brisket out. And I've trimmed it the night before. Um, so I'll, I'll put it in there. And then around, depending on what time I want to cook, like I said, you got to build in that time for uh, making sure it rests appropriately, which we'll talk about at the end state. But figuring out your timeline is so crucial for when you want to cook. And obviously, the bigger the piece of meat, the longer it is going to take to cook overall. Oh man, that is a that is a dedication that I am not capable of because when that alarm goes off, I'm like, if I don't go to this meeting, am I going to get fired? And then I think really hard about not going to that meeting. If someone's like, hey, you could just buy this brisket, I'm like, every time, snooze, can't do <laughs> it. Like, you, I, I can eat crackers. Good uh, that's fine. I'll but photosynthesize saying, like, I before love I wake that, up at three o'clock. I in love the that process of it. So when I when I wake up in the morning. Uh, before I go in, my, my brisket's setting out. I haven't seasoned it yet. So what I'll do, first thing is I've, I've got my, my smoker prepped and it, you know my cover's off of it. It's setting out where it needs to be. What I'll do is I will go out and I will fill a charcoal chimney. If you've never seen a charcoal chimney, it looks like a, a big aluminum kind of can with kind of holes in it. And that's how you heat charcoal up really good. You, you really need that. You really need to get your coals nice and hot. You don't have a bunch of half-done coals. Those things coals. are awesome. There's so much For getting any better. kind of grilling going real fast. Absolutely. I, I, I would never do charcoal without a charcoal chimney. But I've got the I've got that. Also, just there's these things called, uh, man, I wish I could remember the brand, but it's called tumbleweeds. They're the absolute best thing huh. for getting it going. I don't use any lighter fluid. Don't I really recommend trying to stay away from lighter fluid. I don't like that taste on the meat. I don't want that anywhere. Do you near have the self-starting cook. coals, or is it just no, no, no? That's the same problem. Uh. It's you want 
First of all, you want regular lump charcoal. You don't want the briquettes, and you definitely don't want the self-starting stuff. Mm-hmm. So just get your regular whatever wood lump charcoal. People, you can go out and you can buy like apple or or you know all the different kinds of. I probably stay away from a skeet, but honestly, it's not. It doesn't matter that much. That's not where your meat. That's not where your wood is coming from. Your wood is going to come from the actual pieces of unburnt non-charcoal wood. That I we're guess that lighter fluid stuff is probably even more important, just because of the amount of time it's hanging out in that smoke with that stuff. Like, you know, if you grill some hamburgers that use some charcoal, you don't really taste it. But if if you were grilling those hamburgers over the course of twelve hours. Then it yeah. would make sense that and it would your, pick up that flavor. Your charcoal is only going to be for the very first part of the cook, but I just I don't want I don't want that stuff touching my my cook. So I go out. I've got a little tumbleweed. It's a little it's a it's a nice little fire starter. You can also use like a grill gun, which is like a, a flamethrower that that shoots out of a, mm. a little, little like one of the mini propane tanks. Tell me more. You need to get your your coals good and hot. It takes oh, me with the tumbleweed. Is it like a little flamethrower? It is like a little flamethrower. Why don't you have one of those? I need to get one. You can do weeds with them too. I don't want to do that because I'm afraid I'll kill myself. Yeah, I mean, you might burn yourself pretty good. But I, I knew a guy, he weeded his patio with that. And it was pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's the most metal the, uh, way to weed eat. The uh, the coal, So I'll go out and I'll light my coals and I'll let them get nice and hot for about 15 minutes. And then what I'll do is I'll go over, I'll open my firebox on my smoker and you I'll dump the coals. Good morning, Major Pitts. I do, and I salute the, I salute the grill. That makes and sense. I salute it and I open the firebox with with his permission and I dump the coals in there and then on the side of the firebox facing away from the grill there's the the vent and what it is it's a little door on the side of the firebox and that's how the wind gets in and you can actually use this thing to control the temperature if you open the vent all the way up your temperature generally speaking is going to increase because you're increasing the amount of oxygen that is flowing through the uh, firebox which is going to mean the fire is going to get bigger the coals are going to be hotter and you're going to get higher heat if you conversely close it off you're going to get a lot of acrid black choking smoke and the temperature is going to decrease and so the brisket will die the brisket will die so you got to be you got to be careful when you're going through that i i leave my vent all the way open while the coals are in there and i don't open the firebox again it's going to take a while for the coals that are in there to heat the overall grill all the way up in the, the whole cooking chamber up to the temperature that I need to before I start putting the meat on the grill. And that brings me to the, the point about temperature. I can't stress this enough. The, the, the name of the game with smoking is temperature control. To what degree? To It is the most important <laughs> thing. Ah, oh, boo! Uh, did not do that to me. Thought I slipped that one in there. Yeah, I was pretty proud. You of that did one. not do that. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You're it welcome. is. It is the most important part of the smoke, and everybody's going to smoke at, at different temperatures. But it's also important to remember that your smoker and your cooking chamber is not the same temperature in every part. It's probably not a surprise to anybody that the portion nearer the firebox is hotter. Then the portion in the in the middle of the grill, as you get closer towards the maybe yeah. the smokestack gets a little bit hotter as all the heat is rushing that towards that well. porch to to exit. Yes, closer to the fire is hotter. Fire is hot. Got it. Proceed. Good. How do you position your meat then? Do you, you so, move it? I don't. Once I put it in there, I'm not I'm not really moving it around a lot. So 
here's the thing. I have temp I have two temperature gauges on my cook chamber that are on top of the 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 grill itself on top of the cooking chamber. And those are great, but they're measuring the temperature at the top of the smoker. And that is fine except that temperature is generally speaking much hotter than the actual surface where the grate is okay. because heat rises obviously. You're doing some calculations in your head taking off some points. I am, but I also have a dual prong thermometer. What I have is a Thermopro T08S. <laughs> and wow. You can have I know. You can have this one's about the $50 $60 range. Um I strongly recommend a couple functions of a thermometer, whichever one you get. And what I recommend is it has dual prongs because one of the prongs goes into the meat and one of the prongs goes into the cook chamber so I can keep track of the temperature. I actually have a little, it's a little stand essentially that sits on top of the grate and the thermometer goes on top of that and it keeps that temperature. So dual prongs is one thing that I strongly recommend for a thermometer. The second thing is I actually have a little handset that I can carry around with me that reads the temperature from prong one and prong two. Oh, that's dope. So it's like your yeah. little Dick Tracy watch? No, it's it's just a little handset. It looks like a little uh, it looks like a little brick. And I I just put that in my pocket. You can clip I think it to you your should belt. Tape it to your wrist like a Dick Tracy watch. And then and, and then oh my god. And then you could look at it and you could go, It's brisket o'clock, baby. And then everyone would just hate you so much when you did that i wouldn't want to be my friend if i did that but they can't go i mean they've waited 12 hours for this yeah, what are they gonna do where are they gonna go the the other thing that i like about it is i can actually set a high and a low temperature so i'll set a barbecue or i'll set a barbecue high and a barbecue low you can also set like the food internal temperature so when it reaches its temperature that i want it'll beep at me but the high and the low so let's say i, I don't want it to get any higher than, and we'll talk about the cooking temperatures here in a second. I don't want it to get any higher than 275, and I don't want it to get any lower than 230. If it hits one of those numbers, it'll beep at me. So I know I need to either go out and, and decrease the heat or increase the heat to make sure I'm staying in range. Those two features really key. Mm. So you're not constantly running out. Like if, if I didn't have that and I had to walk outside every time to check the temperature, it would just be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I can't even. How I don't even know how you do that. You just be checking the temperature constantly. the The other thing is with the, the temperature that I'm looking for. So I personally, on my smoker, depending on where I put the thermometer, I like to smoke at about 250 to 275. That is like my optimal range in my smoker based on my reading. Really, the 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 true temperature that I'm looking for is about 250, right? So I don't like to get any lower than 225, and I don't like to get any higher than 275. But it, I mean, if it's if it's reading 245, am I running outside to check the temperature? Absolutely not. Not in a stick burner. Like you're never gonna be able to keep a fire at within two or three degrees of your mark. What you're really looking for is a nice range and keeping it in that range. You don't want it to flare way up, but you also don't want it to burn way down. Oh, that makes sense. So when I when I, I put what my do you coals do if there, it gets cold. What do well, you do I'll, if it gets I'll, too hot? I'll definitely go over that. So when I, uh, I should probably go back to putting the meat on. So when it, it's starting to get up to that temperature and my temperature is rising, after I've got the firebox up to like 150, 175, maybe even 200, I'll take my first mini log and I'll put that onto the coals and let that start burning. And you'll notice that'll really spike the temperature up quite a bit when it catches and that that log will be what's providing the actual smoke. What kind of wood? So, so it depends. 
if if you're a finally you're something a Texan, I can relate to. Hmm. We use post oak. That is the primary wood that Central Texas and Texas barbecue is made off of. But there's a a bunch of different reasons. the The qualities of post oak is it's a it's a more mild flavor. It's uh it's got a good like what you would call just a good wood flavor throughout, and, and it grows here like super, weeds. It does, and it's not super overpowering. So that is the the traditional. Probably the second most common wood and the one that I usually use because it's what I can find out here in New Mexico is hickory. Again, maybe a little bit more pungent than post oak, but definitely not something on the far end of the spectrum like mesquite, which is really overpowering, right? You've got your you got your nice hickory there. So then grandpa got, used to use pecan. How do you feel about that? So pecan's number three. Pecan's just fine. It's just it's a little bit more and there's things you can do to kind of temper that that more pungent, more wood flavor down. And we'll talk about that when we talk about wrapping. And then you've also got your fruit woods, your, your cherries, your apples. Those are probably better for pork, maybe a slower or sorry, a shorter cook. Those are probably going to be best. But if I'm cooking brisket, I'm either going to be using post oak or I'm going to be using hickory. Okay. So I throw that Tell hickory me log on wrapping. there. Hmm. Well, Hip, we, we've got a couple, we've got a couple hours before. I'm going to brisket up till we get there. To the tippity top. So when I p- I get my temperature up, I've got it in my range. It's kind of like settled. You gave me any credit for that wrap that I, I just did came not. Up with. And I won't. I I put it on the the grill and I'm kind of putting it back towards the. I'm putting basically the point, which is the big lumpy half. I'm putting that right in about the middle of the grill and I'm letting the flat trail off to the back of the cooking chamber. Right. You want to put that. You want to put that point towards the fire. That's that big fatty nub and that fat is actually going to protect it from mm. the, the hotter part of the smoker. That's why I have then, fat on me, just in case. Fire. Just in case there's a just in case a backdraft situation. Yeah, you never know. The uh I Served also me I well go for this fat pandemic. side up. Fat side up. There's two kinds of people in the world. Fat side up, fat side down, I'm fat side up. Okay. Like that fat to render down all the way through the Who who what is the why would you be fat side down? I don't know, heretics. I'm not sure why. You want the fat to go away? What are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make lean brisket. I'm not sure what they're doing. I hate these people. I don't even know them, but I don't like it. Okay, so now the waiting game happens. You've got your you've got your brisket, and it's on there. You're monitoring the temperature, and for the next five to six hours, you're Ooh. kind of just watching a fire burn. Okay, and well. now comes the next step. And the the whole point is, and regardless of what you're talking about, smoking comes the wrap. The reason why you wrap is is a couple of things. So I'm I'm literally going to wrap the meat in a specific type of material, and you do this for a couple of reasons. One, you do it to increase the time or increase the temp, decrease the cook time, and then you also do it to to savor the or save the moisture so it doesn't quote unquote dry out the meat. Another benefit of this is it also decreases the amount of smoke you're getting on the meat. So if your your outside is getting a little too smoky, if your your skin's getting a little too dark. Then you can wrap in you can wrap in a material to try to keep that smoke off of the actual meat and make it not as pungent or acrid. So if you're using something like post oak, maybe you can wrap a little bit later. If you're using something about pecan, maybe you wrap a little bit sooner. But about with hickory, about the five to six hour mark in the cook is where I wrap. Okay, so you're taking just a big old piece of meat and then you're wrapping it up in paper, or what are you wrapping it in? So there's two things you can wrap it in. You can wrap it in aluminum foil or you can wrap it in butcher paper. I like to wrap in butcher paper 
And the, the thing that aluminum foil will get you is aluminum foil is going to hold more heat and it's going to hold more moisture, which means you're going to get a, it's going to, you're going to get a shorter cook out of it. And you're also going to get uh, a little bit more uh, juice in there. I don't know, man. That sounds like the way to go. Why do you do paper? So I do paper because I think it stays overall very moist, but also preserves that bark, that crust on the uh, outside. Yeah, I do like that if part. You, if you have a really soppy, juicy on the outside, wet sort of cook, you're never going to get that crispy bark on the outside, which is the real hallmark of Texas brisket. So I like to wrap in, in pink butcher paper. And that's it's got you know no wax none of that stuff and I just I wrap that thing up at about the six hour mark and then at this point I'm actually going to put my meat probe thermometer one into the point of the brisket and now I'm actually starting to monitor the internal temperature of the brisket and that is now the name of the game is I want to get that brisket um, it's no longer about time the brisket is now done when it's done and I'm trying to get that temperature up. Are there any rituals or things you can do to increase the time? So, yeah, one, pray. But two, also understand that it is uh, it is a process. and There's no guaranteed way to know. Every brisket is going to cook differently, and you'll have briskets that will go really quick. You'll have briskets that will go really fast, and it just depends. There's a couple things you can do. Number one is stop looking at it, right? You've got the, you've got the probe in it. Opening the cooking chamber to look at it, it does nothing but make it take longer, right? I think uh, in one of Franklin's YouTube videos, he's like, if you're looking, you're not cooking. And mm. That's got to that be a t-shirt. Look, letting all that heat out doesn't do anything for anybody. People get really frustrated. Everybody's there. They're waiting on it. And it'll it'll be done when it's done. And then secondarily, I think That's what potato salad do, is for. You just go eat that potato salad. Just eat that potato salad. <laughs> eat the coleslaw. The... Um, the other thing you can do is, and you can take the the butcher paper that you've wrapped. Well, I mean, conversely, you can choose to cook at a higher temperature. So instead of letting it get down below 250, you can say like, "Hey, I'm going to cook from 250 to 300." That's definitely going to get it done faster. And every smoker is going to be different. Every cut of meat is going to be different. So it just depends. You can also maybe wrap in foil instead of wrapping in butcher paper. And then, yeah, the final thing is just making sure that temperature stays consistent and you're not letting it wind all the way down because you don't want to go add another log to the coals or, or mm. mess with a vent or something like that. And at this point in the day, presumably, you've been day drinking, so it probably gets uh, harder. You, I don't know. how. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's possible to cook a brisket without day drinking. I'm unsure of it. Yeah. I mean, the, why find out? Honestly, you kind of need a partner, too, because you're going to need to sleep at some point. So yeah. I like to, once I wrap it, if I can get the temperature good, just just hand it off to Peppa and be like, "Hey, if the temperature gets below 225 degrees, wake me up and I'll take a little nap." That is uh, a beautiful way to spend a weekend. It is the the temperature you're aiming for. If you Google it, you'll see a lot of people are talking about like 195. They're liars. What you really want to do is you want to get to about 198, maybe even 200. Now, is the beef quote unquote done if it gets to like 130? Yeah. It absolutely is. Like, it's safe to eat, sure. But that's not what you're trying to do with smoking. This is one of the mistakes I made starting off is I would cook the pork until it was done or I'd cook something until it was done. You're not cooking beef and pork until it's done. You're cooking it in that low and slow method until the fat renders down. And that is when you achieve... What does fat rendering down mean? So, fat, it means the fat has literally melted. Mm. So, you know how when you have a steak... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're like, you cut the fat off the edges. 
if you can get that steak up to a high enough temperature at a low enough heat over time, preserving that tenderness, preserving the juices, that fat will actually melt. And when that fat melts, it just permeates through the meat. And that is how you get just an absolutely tender brisket. Mm -hmm. That fat has to render. And that's not going to happen until it gets to about 198, 199, 200, maybe even more. So I don't pull my brisket until I see 200 on the thermometer. And usually I'd probably be like, eh, it probably could have gone to like 201. But I'll pull it when I see 200 and I'll be happy about it. And you'll burn your hands in the process? Like what do you? No, I have big gloves. Okay. That's yep. important. So I take the big gloves and I put it, uh, what I do is I, I put it on a big baking pan. It's still wrapped up. I'll take the thermometer out of it and I'll just put it right into the oven. Just the the oven is turned off okay. and I'm just letting it cool in there. And Why the oven? Just because it's just a nice place to keep it out of the way. It's safe. I don't have to worry about it or anything like that. I know some people will use coolers, whatever suits your fancy. It's fine by me. But you do want to leave it cracked or the cooler lid off. Just let it cool down just a little bit while it's resting. A brisket needs to rest at a minimum, at a minimum of, thir- I don't even want to say 30 minutes. You really need to rest at an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, People make the mistake of like, oh, it's done. Finally, I hit 200. And then you just start cutting into it. The, the The reason why it's not good like that is the cooking process needs to arrest and those it needs to cool down and those juices need to be reabsorbed back into the meat. Otherwise, you're just never, it's just going to be tough. It's just, it's you just cooked it for 12 hours. You like, just let it rest. Just be patient. Let it rest for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and you're going to be good to go. And you'll notice when you just slice into that. I strongly recommend also looking up a YouTube video for how to slice a brisket because that matters with the grain to get the the nice even cut. But man, when I sliced into that brisket for the first time, it was beautiful. I was it was I was so happy. Had that nice thick crust on the outside, that good red smoke ring all the way around the meat, and it was it was really good. I'm are you offended if someone puts a barbecue sauce on your brisket? So it depends. I'm. I'm of the mind that for my slice on my, my, so the the lean or the flat that we talked about, that's where your good, like traditional pretty slices come from. I don't, I don't really want somebody putting barbecue sauce on that, but if I'm getting over the point, it's a little bit more fat on it. Maybe if I'm chopping it, sure. Go nuts. At the end of the day, whatever makes you happy, but I don't think, uh, the, the regular slice brisket needs any barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that is a, just a, odyssey of barbecue right there that i feel like i've learned something yeah man kind of motivated i love it it makes me so happy to smoke a brisket i look for any excuse i can do to get out there i i put into the the group chat from work i'm like hey i'm smoking chickens this week and who who wants a chicken 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 who wants a chicken oh man smoking whole chickens we've been talking already for an hour is there uh anything else we need to learn about real quick before we sign off oh i forgot water pan put a water pan in there in case it gets thirsty? No, no, no. The cow's dead because of the humidity out here. Dummy. And in general, just you, it helps keep the overall cooking chamber a little bit more moist, a little bit more humid. Keeps your meat from drying out. Forgot about the sense. water pan. Do you use any special kind of water? Nope, just water. Sometimes I'll throw some sage in the water just to be fancy. Okay. I hear people in North Carolina just piss in the water tray. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not you accurate? Got him. Got him, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, take that, you stupid North Carolina barbecue idiots. Yeah, man. But a, a rib, a, a pork shoulder, 
tenderloin, whatever, man. I'm down to I'm down to smoke it. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm interested in getting into it, how much am I looking to spend here? What do I need to purchase to do? Okay. Just like, let's talk about just like the basics. So if you if you're into it and you you want to get into smoking, I don't recommend buying the the top of the line smoker that's for sure like your lang or something like that it's gonna cost you a couple grand yeah the says the guy who spent a grand and a half on a table saw twelve hundred dollars okay and it does more than just make meat it makes dreams come true also it makes all my fingers stay attached to my hand important the um depends on what you're looking for i i don't know man unless you're just gonna do it I don't know if somebody should buy a, a stick burner for their first smoker. I just think that uh, the the time and the amount of effort going out there and filling with it, you're probably not going to like it. You got to know if you got it and you got it bad. I would recommend a nice cheap, uh, what I started out with was a vertical propane smoker. Really easy, not too bad. I smoked quite a few ribs, smoked pork shoulder smoked chickens i smoked all kinds of stuff in it and it worked just fine and i could have i could have gone the rest of my life smoking in that thing and been just fine except for i'm just i'm from texas and i wanted to smoke a brisket damn it and i want to smoke post oak in it and just get to it and all that America. my uh expert friend like competition good in terms of all this stuff he comps. recommended it yeah he does he does the comps it's not a big deal he recommends one of those rtd2 uh, stand-up things. Weber apparently has one for around 500 bucks that he says is a really good all-around. Yeah, it's expensive, but like that's the one he said. It'll do just about anything, and it's real good. So I have no frame of reference, but I'm passing on what he said. You can get a you can get a vertical stack smoker for 150, probably. That is not much money. No, I mean, but again, you're not going to be smoking the the world's greatest barbecue in that. Most likely, I don't know. Maybe you're just a, a savant, but. That'll that'll get you started. If you're really liking that, if you're enjoying doing that, then maybe you can move up. You can buy yourself a nice cast iron offset, something like that. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. Also, don't skimp on the thermometer. Don't do it. That get seems like a good thermometer. That seems like, especially if you can get one that's gonna, you know, tell you at a distance, so you don't have to open the lid. That seems yeah. like it's worth its well worth now, its money. Now your your yeah your pellets and your your propanes and your electrics, you can kind of set those temperatures so those are a little bit easier. But that internal temp is still really important. Mm. Nice. There's nothing. There's no way to tell the internal temp of meat without putting a thermometer into it. It's just not going to happen. You could take a bite out of it. Oh, man. Okay, I'm motivated. I really kind of want to do this now, but maybe you should just I've move modded closer. The, I've modded the business out of my offset smoker. I bet. I've put clamps in. I've got a drip buckets, pans got a, a casket in there like i've done quite a bit you put a coffin in there i did sorry uh, gasket for the squirrels <laughs> for all the squirrels that you did that too yeah well they drink that north carolina water yeah and they just fall right out oh man okay so let's final thoughts if you gave anyone some attempt like let's say break it into two i'm just about to start my first thing what's the most important thing i can do and then, like, what's the most important lesson overall you've learned from your smoking experience? I'll give you one practical one, and then I'll give you a sort of philosophical one. Uh, practical number one, start with ribs. Short cook, 
and damn, ribs are always delicious. True. Like it's pork, ribs, pork rib is pork rib. Pork rib is gonna be good. Yeah. Like you put enough barbecue sauce on them, you're gonna you're gonna pull the bone clean. Start with ribs. They are really forgiving. They're very cheap. Nothing probably feels worse than starting out with a brisket, working for 14 hours, and having it taste like garbage and spending $80 on it. <laughs> yeah, like, that is a real kick in the balls. You can go get, you can go get a set of ribs right now for like 10 bucks, and it'll take you six hours at the most to cook them, and it'll, they'll come off delicious 99 times out of 100. So yeah. start with ribs. That's my practical advice. My philosophical advice is have patience. Have patience with the process, have patience with the meat, have patience with yourself. Not everybody's going to come out absolutely killing it, doing it great every time. A couple cooks ago, man, I just, I don't know what I was doing. I was prepping the chackens and I put olive oil on the outside of it. Fun fact about olive oil It'll from smoke. Nars Point earlier. Oh my God, I burnt the hell. <laughs> yeah, I will. The skin was destroyed. They, they 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 were seriously indistinguishable from the cast iron of my smoker, and I just felt so stupid. Yeah. I was like, "Why did I do that? I, I'm an idiot." Have patience with yourself. Not everything is going to turn out right the first time, but if you enjoy doing it, you'll you'll go to bed at night thinking about what you did wrong and how you could do it better next time. And that's that's the point. It is the process. You're never you never did it. You're doing it, and that is why I love it. Ah. That's beautiful, man. That's a little beautiful barbecue. Huh, good times. Cool, man. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, I want to. I want to eat some barbecue, but instead, barbecue? I've got a little. I've got a little scotch here. Maybe it's kind of past my bedtime, but I think I might. Uh, I might go look up some YouTube videos now. I might be trying to get a little bit more educated on the subject. I'll link two in the description. Number one, the the uh, Franklin Barbecue series, and then also there is just a good old dude. Uh, I think he's from Mississippi or Alabama. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. His name's Malcolm from How to Barbecue, right? Whew, man, this guy cooks some insane things. Very healthy foods. No. Now, this guy's all about Flavor Town, and it's so good, the stuff he makes over there. So I would definitely check his channel out. He's just a nice guy. You know what I like about him? Have you, ever, have you seen his videos? A couple of them, yeah. He eats on camera. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's like, you know, I got to try this. And he just takes a big old bite out of a burger. 100%. <laughs> I uh, just love the authenticity. Don't forget the Babish uh, steak video as well. I'll put that in there as well. Yeah, and if you guys ever want to talk about cooking, obviously, Nar and I are not chefs, but man, do we love cooking everything from tikka masala to, to Texas Penang brisket, curry man. To Texas we brisket. Freaking, oh, man. Peppa just had the best curry recipe. I got to share that with you. Mm. But if you guys ever want to talk about cooking, share food, I just, I love the power it has to excite people, to make people happy, to bring people together. And it's just like when I think about people's cultures, oftentimes I think about their foods and where you're from and, and, and the foods that you eat and the process of your cooking and the pride that people take in it. And there, I just think there's nothing more universal to the human experience than setting down and eating a good meal. And I'm just happy I get to talk about the uh, a, a meal that comes from a place that I always wanted to to be like my grandpa growing up where I know he would go out and he would smoke a brisket in his offset smoker in the backyard because he was a Texan and he could do that. And I just, I always wanted to be able to do that and to, to be doing that just makes me really happy. And I'm just glad that I got to share it with all of you. That's awesome, man. That's that's a beautiful sentiment. Cool. You want to go drink some scotch and Google YouTube videos that's about one hundred percent what I'm about to do. Hey, if you guys like this episode, if for some reason you just checked this out because you like barbecue, 
and you don't know, we actually host a Pokemon Go podcast. So check us out at Pokemon Go Radio. You can find us at Pokemon Go Radio our Pokemon Go underscore radio on Twitter or at Pokemon Go radio on Facebook. And you can email us anytime at info.pokemongoradio at gmail.com. Love talking about Pokemon. Love talking about brisket. Love talking about whatever you want to talk about. We answer every single email. Yep. What do you think for the next bonus episode when we get around to it? You got a topic? Civilization. Nah, it's not going to happen. Beer? Uh, I don't really feel like I'd drink enough beer to do that. Scotch? I could probably do a scotch one. I might think How to make a Moscow mule. It'll be three (laughs) minutes long. (laughs) That's it. Pour some combination of ice, ginger beer, lime, and vodka into a cup. Honestly, the amounts are really variable. Honestly, every time. It's three ingredients. What are you going to do? Just just do it. Copper mug, though. We're not alcoholics. Yeah, I mean, we got some class. Jesus. Cool, man. Well, thank you guys. If you have any suggestions for the bonus episodes, hit us up on the social media or in our email and just let us know what you want. All right. Uh, 15 for team we'll do another regular Pokemon podcast on Monday and in the meantime go freaking smoke them all <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. oh wait we didn't say what Pokemon would be the best for smoking oh man it's Tauros obviously nah right? I think Tauros would be really tough I think you don't smoke a buffalo you know Miltank Pokemon would be the worst Miltank would be pretty good Scyther would be pretty bad I was gonna say a Gramble it's all Carpace <laughs> a Gramble would be so horrifying. I think I'd be. I'd do it. I'd start to get a snubble. Actually, no. I mean, like a Mister Mime would be pretty messed up. That'd be pretty great. He was a person. It's Ash's dad. You better show some respect. <laughs>